a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. That's some that's some good, aggressive uh, rejoin music. That's what we call it here in the business. It's a rejoiner. Dun, 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 dun. We're talking about a bandit. I told Debbie Dejanovic here this morning uh, as we we're all getting ready for our uh, programs that any story that includes the, the word bandit, uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, in fact, let's just set that as a rule. Hey, pr- producer Amy, if you are ever scrolling through the headlines, you see the word bandit, that's it. We're talking about it. Just throw it right in. No need to <laughs> confer with anyone. Just drop it in the rundown, and we'll do a bandit story. Uh, and that brings me to the Band-Aid bandit. Mm. There is someone, it's alleged, uh, going around and robbing banks. In fact, uh, is it six or seven banks have been robbed by uh, allegedly the the same perpetrator uh, in recent days? Seven in eight months. Banks and credit unions across the Wasatch Front. Now, the Band-Aid bandit. Why the Band-Aid bandit? Well, we're told by the FBI that he is seen wearing Band-Aids around his fingertips. We presume that's not because he got a paper cut from the money he got away with. I'm stuck on Band-Aid Band-Aid's stuck on me. I'm stuck on Band-Aid I remember that jingle. (laughs) It's a good jingle. Um, That he's actually using it. I'm I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he's probably using the Band-Aids to cover up his fingerprints. That makes the most sense to me. But then I thought, hold on a second. Is applying a Band-Aid to each individual fingertip, is that is that easier than, say, throwing on a pair of gloves? Either the like the latex that you see well, sometimes folks wouldn't wearing? Wouldn't it be unusual to have somebody walking into a bank with a pair of gloves on when it's 105 degrees outside? Or what about this? I mean, it is the COVID era. And, you know, some I can remember early when my wife and I would be out and about, she had me wearing some of those purple surgical gloves. Did she really? Yeah. Good we for got, her. We got the, we got the baby in, so we, <laughs> we had added an extra level of protection. Well, you know, he also went maskless. Now, he did allegedly commit the majority of these bank robbers before COVID-19 spun up across oh. the, across Utah. So we can understand why he was maskless for those. But by the time May came around, and many of us were wearing masks, and as you know from watching all those shows that you watch about, you know, crime and punishment that most bank robbers wear some sort of disguise. So here he's got, you know, carte blanche to go into a bank with a mask on because we're all being required to wear masks now. And for some reason in May, he chose to walk in <laughs> mask free. Well, because here's what I presume. He's a man of principle and he's not going to go, he's not going to have his constitutional rights violated. <laughs> Or he's a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> no one's going to tell him uh, that he has to wear a mask. So the last bank robbery committed just a yeah. couple of days ago uh, in Kaysville, uh, he wore a mask. So he's oh. doing he's robbing the bank, but he's doing the right thing he's to protect. Right, right. Because yeah, we wear a mask COVID. to protect others. Right, exactly. He's, uh, um, but I've noticed uh, that he has been mask-free since December, and I'm curious as to why the FBI hasn't gotten any 
solid leads that I we don't know of that you know you're thinking well that's so and so from I remember him from ninth grade you know <laughs> the, yeah. the, the surveillance video is pretty clear yeah I, la- I laugh and joke about this but it's a serious deal sure and uh, and he he is uh, at least the allegation goes that he's got a note that alleges he's got a weapon on him that weapon hasn't been spotted uh, in cameras or by witnesses uh, quite yet but bank robbery is a serious deal yeah. uh, and he's got seven of them under his belt. Seven of them. And that whether he shows a gun or not will not matter when it comes to, sure. the, you know, once they file the charges oh, against sure. him. Um, and absolutely, you know, Dave Noriega, my co-host, he has a good friend who long ago was a bank teller and he was held at gunpoint. And the trauma is real. It doesn't go away when the bank robber runs out the door with the money. Yeah. Um, I was actually a bank teller when I was 18 years old um, through a school co-op program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had oh, several months into my uh, job, I had somebody present a note to me. It was on the back of a deposit slip. Oh, wow. And it said, this is a bank robbery. Give me all your money. Oh, and, uh, you know, they put us through training and they told us exactly what to do. And I followed none of the training guidelines. Mm. I, I kind of went into my own internal panic and I held up the note. I pointed it back at him and I said, did you write this? And he said, no, 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 I'm not trying to rob the bank. I said, okay, we'll just tear up this note. We'll start over again. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> so you, so he, he probably wasn't expecting you to you know, respond. That's his, fascinating. His uh, MO, yeah. You thwarted a robbery. I, well, yeah. Or I don't know, maybe he went down the street and robbed another a, a bank and got some money. But oh, and, he, and, and this was just a regular run-of-the-mill <laughs> deposit that he was making. Right. I and, see, I and, see. And, and, no, no, but, no, you thwarted a robbery. Well, at least at, at the bank I was working at, I there did. There should be a medal or a ribbon for that. But it does. And and so I think, you know, obviously I think what we don't think about when we... And, you know, and you and I have made made light of this uh, a little bit, and Dave and I did today as well, because we, you know, we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. But this is very serious. 100%. And what they're he's doing um, is, um, you know, putting it's imposing trauma on bank tellers. And I was 18 when I was a bank teller. I had no mental capacity to deal with this kind of crime. Uh, certainly with Dave's friend. I mean, his was much more traumatic. Yeah. But this guy, you're right. He hasn't shown a gun. Uh, he apparently wears bandages around his fingertips. Uh, the other thing is he changes his hats a lot. One of the photos, I think the first photo, I noticed he has a, a Carthart type beanie cap on, and then yeah. he then oh, he okay. then it goes moves over to his baseball cap collection. Uh, he wears it seemed to, to me he wore the same t shirt twice. Uh, so I th- the photos themselves are on kslnewsradio.com. I also just posted them to my Facebook page. They're all over everybody's Facebook page. If you're, uh, you know, someone's in the media, they've posted them. Have you posted them to yours yet, Dave or Lee? Uh, I think we're getting we're getting them posted right now. So if you make your way over there. And these aren't, you know, you see sometimes blurry images and uh, law enforcement will say, if you can help us recognize this, and often the only thing you can go on is like body type and maybe you recognize shoes or something. Uh, these images show a really clear shot uh, from multiple angles uh, of, of the suspect's face. So so I can I give you my hunch? Yeah, yeah. He's not from Utah. You think he's These traveling photos out here for are the... well, and you think with Twitter, that's it's getting you know more reach to more people yeah. outside the state. But uh, my hunch is that he's not from Utah, uh, and that's why they haven't been able to capture mm-hmm. him yet. In fact, when I was a spokesperson for the FBI many many years ago, we had a case that the guy had traveled in, no. and it was something very specific in the photos that we had issued that somebody across the country recognized, and we were able to figure out who he was and. 
I believe he's still serving time. Let me ask you a behind-the-scenes uh, question. I, I, I ask this because when I was a congressional aide in Washington, when new pieces of legislation are uh, created, they all require names. You know, the, the COVID relief uh, package called the CARES Act. Mm-hmm. You know, someone at the staffer level uh, came up with that CARES Act, and it stands right. for something. And it's always uh, an interesting little back and, and, and forth. The acronym just happens to fit. It's perfect. It's they beautiful. start with the acronym, and then they put it's the words in after. Okay. Yeah. It's all incidental. Mm-hmm. Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, so that was always something that we really focused on. We tried to have good, clever names mm-hmm. uh, relevant to the legislation. Uh, similar deal here. Uh, how does he come to be known as the Band Aid Bandit, or at least how does that name come about? So behind the, the scenes at the bureau, what we would ha- what would happen? We just look at the photos. A lot of times, that that was my responsibility, and find something that I felt that the not only the press would find interesting, but also the public would be able to latch onto. Actually, that's what's most important in yeah. those photos is to find something that the public can identify with, and somebody out there knows something. And when they see that specific, whether it's a a purse that's you know in the case that I was just talking about, maybe bright red or or you know bandages around somebody's fingertips, yeah. they're going to be able to you know make that phone call. And I always used to say this uh, when I did media interviews, no tip is too small. Because so often I think we want to dismiss what we know as, ah, it's not important enough for the the FBI to get for me to call them. I don't even know if it's this guy. I mean, I think I recognize him, but I don't know. No tip is too small. I can't talk about all the cases that we sure. investigated, but I will tell you that some of the tips that came in seemed so minor, and they actually led to really big arrests. Yeah. And and that makes sense. It makes perfect sense what you described there, that the the objective being how do we get uh, both attention mm-hmm. uh, from the public and the media? And, and if I'm honest, the last uh, eight minutes, case in point, I got excited about this because of the name. The, I, I thought the name was a cool hook, the Band-Aid Bandit. The Band-Aid Bandit. And so I, you go digging. I named one the Honey Bun Bandits. Okay. Well, why is that? They blew up a box of honey buns at the bank. How's that? They blew up a box of Mrs. Freshly's Honey Buns at the bank. I cannot walk by... <laughs> A display uh, of Mrs. Freshly's Honey Buns Bandits at the grocery store without thinking about that bank robbery. Wow. I named a guy the Bundled Up Bandit. It was the most boring name I could come up with, but that was the name because people were looking at all the bundles of clothing he was wearing. That was the name that actually ended up leading to the one of the many tips that ended up getting him arrested. Did you get the Honey Bun Bandit or the Honey Bun Bomber? You know what? Unfortunately, I don't think they've ever caught them. Still on the loose. All right. Honey well, bun you, bandits. <laughs> keep an eye out for that MO. You see any exploding honey buns, you give us a call. <laughs> got to take a break right now. When we come back, you know, Ensign College, uh, that's a new one. They got the signs changed. Uh, we'll have the president uh, of that institution on this program next to talk to us about the transition into fall education. Coming up on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.